What the Beep Do You Know About Learning English is a podcast for intermediate to advanced learners of English, and some teachers might find it interesting too. The podcast aims to provide different perspectives on learning English and at the same time develop our listeners' English skills. In this episode, we interview Amy Coots. We talk about how acting can help your pronunciation, why you should be using a dictionary, and an idiomatic expression that includes a finger and a bum. Okay, let's start writing. In this segment, we find out about our guest's teacher origin story. So, Amy Coots, what the f- do you know about learning English? Um, well, I know quite a few things, actually, Damien. Um, <laughs> well, to begin with, I was always a lover of the English language and always loved really reading books as a kid. And then I moved into uh, doing a bachelor degree in drama and performance. Oh, yeah. So I love, yeah, so I love text in terms of um, scripts and performance of language. And then after that, um, I then ended up doing my uh, CELTA uh, which is called, oh, yeah. yeah, which is an internationally recognised qualification for teaching English to second language learners, and that happened about eleven years ago now, which kind of blows my mind to consider how long I've actually been in the profession and how much I've learnt along the way. So mm, do you go. think you're going back to your drama time? Do you yeah. think you brought that into your teaching? Oh, absolutely. You do like method acting in front of the classroom. <laughs> you do like a Robert, Robert De Niro when you sort of like you know, angry with students. Well, it's funny. I uh, I often, uh, well, I mean, if I'm doing an impersonation, it might be things like forget about it or, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Um, no, I'm getting a bit off track. But, um, oh, look, Damien, I think any kind of teaching, to be honest, is a performance art uh, in itself. And, yeah, it definitely has that performative element. And I think particularly when you're trying to get language learners to Uh, understand what you're saying you often have to Mm -hmm. mime depending on the level that you're teaching you often have to mime things and kind of be over the top a bit more animated and expressive in trying to get the communication through so I definitely think having you know trained in improvisation and drama and and acting and all those sorts of techniques and things that I've learned along the way I think it's been very helpful for me to engage students in a classroom mm. into the language um, through the energy and the the passion that I put into it definitely the performative element yeah yeah and we've um so you did your CELTA and then, then then after that what what sort of like classes did you teach well, uh, I started out um, in a small language school in Brisbane, which is my home city. Hello, Brisbane. Mm. Um, and Bris I was, Vegas. Bris <laughs> Vegas, and it's uh, it's one casino. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> Bris Vegas. Yes. So I was teaching general English classes, um, you know, from the level of uh, pre-intermediate to upper intermediate level. And then upon moving to my uh, beloved adopted city and second home, Melbourne, Mm -hmm. I um, managed to get a position at a university in Melbourne and I was teaching English for academic purposes. So then I was starting to work with students who had more of a focus towards university studies and had to learn how to put the language into you know, writing essays and presentations. And, and I absolutely love that work. I find it incredibly fulfilling um, mm. doing that exam work. Um, 
uh, the academic work rather. Um, And, yeah, sort of since then I've done um, a lot of workshops and uh, exam preparation type stuff like IELTS and more recently the Cambridge Advanced English uh, test as well. And so I actually quite enjoy yeah. the challenge of those um, those particular courses. Oh, yeah. And with, with your students, do you find you use much drama in the classroom, like with speaking activities and things like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I am quite passionate about uh, pronunciation and clear speaking. I mean, obviously, because that's, that's a big part of my background. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think even, even in exam preparation, I, I still try to find a way to make it light and humorous. I mean, because it's already quite, it can be very stressful for students preparing for those exams, depending on where their pathway is leading them. And so I think, you know, still being able to inject a bit of humor and enthusiasm in you know in a performative kind of way hmm. kind of lightens it and ma- makes the makes often not so exciting material you know a bit more interesting in terms of the how it's delivered yeah yeah with um you mentioned pronunciation what sort of skills do you think actors can you know bring to i suppose pronunciation teaching in learning a second language uh well i think I think when you're working with scripts, particularly, uh, you understand, aside from just seeing the writing on the page, you can understand sort of tone and intonation, I think, the intention mm. behind certain lines that are delivered. Uh, so I think that that can be really handy for teaching students. I mean, you can put a sentence on the board and, you know, you can stress different words and you can emphasise different parts of the sentence and communicate to students that, word stress and intonation communicates something very different depending Mm -hmm. on where you put it in a sentence for sure. Um, And even just with things like connected speech, like connecting sounds and words together um, certainly comes into it as well. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And also you mentioned, I suppose, you talked about like the stress, you know, students have before tests. You're you're sort of working on... A new project with this, yeah, we're talking about, I can't remember what you, what it's called, psycho, you can help me out here. Yeah, hy- hypnotherapy is the uh, word. Hypno, sorry, not psycho, I had some reason psycho in my mind. Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you're probably thinking of psychotherapy, which is oh, that's it, more yeah. talk therapy and psychology and that sort of not thing. psycho killers and stuff like that. <laughs> no, I think that's the opposite of what we want to achieve uh, for the test, yeah. But, yeah, you, you were sort of... Looking at integrating this maybe in, into future sort of courses with your students possibly, yeah? Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a trained hypnotherapist in rapid transformational therapy, which is a a form of hypnosis uh, developed by a woman by the name of Marissa Peer, who is Britain's mm-hmm. top uh, therapist. Um, uh-huh. And, yeah, I came across her work ooh, probably about two years ago when I was sort of looking at some of my own confidence issues and blocks and fears that I had. And yeah. I couldn't help but thinking with many of the IELTS uh, students I was teaching, how wonderful it would be if we could get them, you know, changing their mindset towards study and exam taking, test taking, I suppose, um, Mm -hmm. being able to alleviate their stress and anxiety. Um, In a world where I think there's a lot more available to us, which actually induces a lot of that stress and anxiety, I certainly think that uh, overuse of technology... 
and the abundance of everything um, sort of is feeding this sort of stress and, and, and anxiety. And it's breaking a lot of students' focus, I think. And I know, especially in your work, you're looking at, you know, mm. with English Riot, you're looking at coaching and consistency and, and committing t- to focusing on something every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that can go really well hand in hand with getting people to, you know, talk to themselves in their minds much better than they have been previously and realising that they can be the master of their thoughts and not the servant to their thoughts in a sense, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah so that's sure. yeah, so that's the, the kind of work that I'm, I'm looking to doing and hoping to experiment a little bit with that with some students that I have at the moment mm-hmm. uh, and, and see what kind of results we get. Yeah, you can think um, it's definitely like there's a lot of inner game stuff happening, especially with like test taking stuff. So anything that can you know help people get over that that sort of stuff and let them focus on you know on the test and stuff like that, I think would be useful. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So yes, it'll be very interesting to see. Um, you know, and you're right. You know, uh, if I do have participants that are quite willing to you know, try a different approach to their study uh, on a more unconscious level and just to see what impact that might have. I mean, that's that's uh, something I'm really fascinated about and eventually it'd be great to do some actual um, really thorough studies into looking at the correlation between, you know, possibly a group that does the test with no hypnotherapy and, and a test that uh, with students that have and just see if there's any difference there. I mean, there, there may be studies where this has actually been done. Um yeah, but visualization is a big thing that comes into this as well. And there's been many studies about the power of the mind visualizing, being successful at something, whether it's, uh, you know, a group of basketballers visualizing getting the ball in the net every time, uh, hmm. you know, already sort of bringing their future selves into their present life is, is basically what that visualization is trying to do. So, you know, uh, it's I find all that stuff very fascinating and that's kind of where I'm at in my profession right now uh 11 11 years down the track i suppose thank you for this uh brief walk down (laughs) memory lane and we'll move on to the next segment we'll move on to uh, some practical tips because i think a lot of our listeners will be english uh language learners so what do you think are some of your top tips for, for learners of english Ooh, okay. Um, top tips. Oh, where do I begin? Um, I think um, a big one is vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I say vocabulary, it's not just I'm going to learn 50 words every day, write them down from the board and write them 100 times. No. And I say this obviously from experience. Um, yeah. For me, what I try to encourage with my students is make it thematic or topical, right? So, you know, in a typical English class or week of English, you'll have a theme for the week and it might be food and restaurants, let's say, for a lower level, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, get them trying to put vocabulary under a theme or a topic or a heading. So, okay, these are words related to food. Right. These are words related to going out to restaurants or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, there's so much there's so much that students can be doing even in their commuting time. Like there, there's so many flashcard apps 
that students can use in and little games like, you know, one of my personal favorites is Quizlet. And I mean, Quizlet are not paying yeah, me to that, say no. this. Um, none of my uh, resource, none of my resource suggestions are uh, a paid endorsements for this podcast. All right. Um, but hey, look, if they're, if they're wanting to throw money, I, I say, why not? Um, so Quizlet's a really, really good one. And so I get students, so we do thematic ones. Like I'll give students lists that relate to the topic of the week, or I try to encourage them to make their own and then make them however they're going to remember it. So if they're a visual person, like they may be able to put up a picture and do matching activities with the picture and the word. Um, tip two. Tip two, um, play to your strengths. So what I mean by that is figure out how you like to learn because everyone has a different learning style, right? So are you a visual person? Are you an auditory person, verbal, physical? Um, So for me, like I said before, I tend to remember things best um, through auditory means. Mm. And, you know, I've been reasonably good with remembering song lyrics so uh, I, I, when I was studying as a kid, I discovered this really early, but I don't know how I came upon it, but I've re- started to revisit that in adulthood, is I would write all my study notes and I'd record them. Remember when we had the old oh, yeah. cassette tapes? Oh, my mm-hmm. God, I'm showing my age. The good old cassette tape. So I used to record and I would sit and drill and listen to those and then when I was studying I'd try to write down what I remembered and things like that from listening. Yeah. So, yeah, and I've always been pretty good with songs, like, you know, lyrics and knowing what song it is just from a few bars and stuff. So I um, I had an English, sorry, a, a, a musical Spanish resource, um, mm. which I was using, and I've still got some of the songs with grammar and vocabulary that's easy to remember because it's repetitive and it has a rhythm. And so the brain, the brain loves to learn through repetition. As, as boring as we might think that is, like I said before with learning lines for a script, mm. I actually record my lines. I record them all flat so I don't put any emotion into them and I listen to the lines when I'm doing when I'm doing something that's relaxing. So say if I'm, um, you know, doing some basic boring chores, because mm. because you're, you're doing something pretty mundane and, it, and you're, you know, you're, you're, um, your adrenaline and your, your cortisone levels are kind of low, so you're not you're not freaking out about anything. There's no anxiety. Your brain kind of will let it in. So do something really boring and and listen to something. So that's that's one thing I do. Um, uh, and that, that's why I'd also say if if people really like, for example, English songs or whatever language mm. they're trying to learn, um, if they really like music or songs, um, lyrics training is a really good website as yeah, well. Yeah, bit of a fan of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always, you know, when I'm when I'm making suggestions to students for websites that they should visit, yeah, I mean, you can you can recommend, you know, things like TED. You can recommend um, websites that are for more academic topics and stuff. But what I always throw in is I say, hey, who likes English music? And they, you know, and they'll tell me the the singers that they like. I'm like, good. Why don't you get one of their songs, listen to it, read the lyrics and figure out what it means, you know, learn the song, you know. um, Yeah, that's that's something you could do. And they seem to really love that because, again, when it's fun and the stress is taken out, sometimes that's when the best learning happens, I think. So true. And there has been research about uh, drinking alcohol and lowering your stress levels increases your ability to speak a second language. 
Wait, what? No. Really? Well, there is. This is true. I was just uh, recently read it in an academic journal. They did research. And it was it was an older research one when you could do, I think you, they allowed you to do more sort of, you know, flexibility with the type of experiments you could do. So, yeah, it was an alcohol-related one. They did find, yeah. You know, wow. I mean, that's true. If anything, any skill improves marginally, I think, with a few drinks. Um. Just a note to anyone who's listening, uh, don't don't take that as uh, encouragement to pick up drinking if you're not really much of a drinker. Um. <laughs> well, i in moderation. I mean, myself, I considered having a few glasses of wine before this podcast, but um, as it was the first one, I decided decided not to. <laughs> yes. Um, so all future podcasts hosted by Damien, will, he will be quite drunk Um so just yeah. be there's something to look forward to there. It's yeah. true. So, so your point too is play to your strengths, definitely. See what what way you like to learn. And what do you think about? Do you have a point three in you, or is it, have you covered your best tips? Oh, have I got the point three in me? Um, oh, you've got me stumped now. Um, I thought I had a point three, but. Um, yeah, look, I look, I, th- I think those two were pretty stellar, so I'm going to leave That's it there. That's true. Look, I mean, the, no, they were probably worth four points, actually. I'll give you four points for two, so. Yeah, um, I think just the, um, yeah, I, I th- oh, yeah, actually, no, no, I do have another one, and I just applied mm-hmm. this again to myself recently. See, try to find ways to be exposed to the language every day. Now, that can be as simple, I think, as changing your operating system on your phone. Now, that might be a little risky because you may forget how to turn it back. Maybe what you need to do is make a little note to yourself of where in your settings you can change the language, um, make a little note perhaps. Um, Because, yeah, if you're seeing – and, again, look, we say to students when they they come over to study when they're in Australia, we – it's better if they're operating – you know, because these are students who are – potentially going to be here for three, four years doing um, university courses, as is my experience, we say change your operating system to English. Um, One, it helps the IT guy when he has to help you with the technical problem. So that's one reason. Mm. And two, you're constantly seeing when you open up your computer every day, you're constantly seeing the language. Um, So I've done that with my phone. So I'm starting to see things and making connections between what I'd normally see there in English and what I'd see there in Spanish and sort of trying to make those no, connections no. between, oh, this means you, this. like, lost a lot of friends because you were miscommunicating? Oh, I don't have any friends, so that's not a problem. Oh, right, okay. So there was no <laughs> problem. And, I mean, maybe you lost that, who's that voice application, Alexa or something like oh, that. Siri. Maybe. Siri, maybe yeah, Siri actually, started feeling the hate for you because you can no longer communicate together. Well, I, don't, I haven't actually tested Siri since I changed the operating system, so um, yeah, I'll get back so, to you on that actually. one. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, my initial point at the beginning is basically consistent daily practice and um, being persistent and, you know, like keeping as cool and calm as you can while you're doing it because – the more you stress out about, oh, I can't get this or, oh, I'm forgetting it, the brain doesn't really like that. So just go, oh, okay. Just, I think just keep battling through. Um, and if you fall off the wagon, Give fall off the wagon. Love. Yeah, fall off the wagon, you just get back on. Don't throw in the towel. Don't chuck a tanty. So, um, yeah, I'll explain what those mean soon. <laughs> okay.
This segment is called Language Unmasked. We find out about our guests' own experiences of learning a language. So, Amy, have you dipped your feet into the waters of learning a second language? I have, actually, Damien. I've dipped in and out a few times, uh, and that Mm. would be the wonderful language of Spanish. Mm, Okay. And so why, why did you choose to learn Spanish? To be honest with you, I've thought about this question many times and I honestly Mm. cannot come up with a concrete answer. I don't know. I mean, I was just, uh, yeah, I really can't pinpoint a time when uh, I wanted to do this. Maybe I need to go under hypnosis to find it. But, um, yeah, I do remember being in high school and I think it was a teacher who – she was an English teacher, actually, and she was also my homeroom teacher, and I really admired her. I thought she was really cool. She's only like 10 years older than us, so we all thought she was quite cool. Um, and she talked about the fact that she was also a Spanish language teacher in addition to being an English teacher, and she told us uh, about her experiences of living abroad in El Salvador. And, yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool. I think it was because she was cool. That's probably the reason, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, I think a lot of people start learning language. They say, hey, that Dude's pretty cool. I'm going to learn a language. Yes. Do you think like, you know, in the classroom you give students lots of advice, do you take your own advice and practice what you preach with your own Spanish studies? Yes and no, Um, Mm. to be perfectly honest. So what's the yes? Uh, The yes is um, would probably be trying to uh, expose yourself to the language a little bit every day. Um, mm-hmm. that's something I try to do, uh, regularly. Um, as again, it's especially important when you're not in a Spanish speaking country or whatever country you're in and it, it doesn't have the language. So you kind of mm. have to work twice as hard. I mean, I'm teaching a bunch of Spanish students at the moment and oh, really? yeah, and most of them live and work here in Brighton. So they're exposed to the English every day, which is great. But when you're not in that country, you've got to be looking at it a little bit every day. So I might have my operating system in Spanish on my phone. Um, Mm. I might read a little bit of Spanish each day um, or do some flashcards. So that's definitely something I do follow. Uh, Yeah, with your students in class, did you tell them that you had a little bit of Spanish or do you keep it a secret so you can listen in on when they're like bad-mouthing you? (laughs) Uh, No, they do know. And what I try to do every lesson, actually sometimes it happens unconsciously, is, you know, I will, you know, say a couple of words or a short phrase in Spanish to them, whether it's to say goodbye or hello or someone's Mm. birthday. So I'll say, you know, feliz cumpleaños in uh, Spanish, which means happy birthday. Or Uh if there's a student that I can see who's struggling with an English vocabulary word. I know you're not really supposed to do that, but these are quite high-level mm. students and they don't really um, talk much Spanish anyway. I might say the word in Spanish if I know it, the equivalent word in Spanish for the English word they're trying mm. to understand or the concept. So, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of that, but I make it very clear to them that I would be a, a lower-level Spanish learner. I am not mm. an advanced-level Spanish learner, even though they may be an advanced-level English learner. So I make that very clear to them, yeah. Um, and what about in your experiences of learning a language? Have you ever had um, any embarrassing stories? I like to get the guests here, you know, to share 
they're shameful experiences in a second language so everyone can feel like it's, you know, normal and don't get hung up about it. Yes, I can share an experience actually. I was in beautiful San Sebastian uh, Mm. three years ago on a lovely holiday and I was in a souvenir shop and I found a really cute little bracelet that I wanted to buy for my niece and Mm. – I, you know, I was having a basic conversation with the woman behind the counter and I asked her how much it was and that I really liked it and all that. And then, um, she was trying to tell me that it was too small for my wrist. But I said to her, cause she thought it was for me. She thought I was buying Mm. it for me. And I said, no, no, no. And I said uh, in Spanish that I was buying it for my niece. Who's only, Mm. you know, at the time was only nine. And she looked at me as I was paying and her eyes were just wide open and she had this look of shock on her face. Uh-uh. And I thought, what's that all about? That's what, what have I done or said? And then we were leaving and the boyfriend I had at the time mm. said, what, what's, what was wrong? And I was trying to think. I'm like, no, I said something wrong to that lady. He goes, what do you mean? I, I said, yeah, no, I've, I've said something wrong. And I Mm. had to get to the bottom of it. Like I was obsessed with it. And he said, just don't worry about it. I'm like, no, 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 I have to know what it was. Well, Mm -hmm. turns out that when I looked up my uh, vocabulary, I had said that I was buying it for my granddaughter. Oh, right. (laughs) Not for my niece. So the word that I thought, I guess it's one of those false friend moments where you think a word in another language sounds very similar Mm. in, in, in English, like embarazada sounds like the word embarrassed, right? But it actually yeah. means pregnant. So mm. that's an example of a false friend. And it was the same with uh, I said the word nieta, which I thought sounded more like niece, but actually yeah. she, but actually, it was granddaughter and the word for niece is sobrina. So I had uh, a good old chuckle to myself when I realised that I'd say granddaughter and she's probably looking at me going, oh, my God, like how old are you or how – like, <laughs> well, you're probably you're probably happier actually that she did have a shocked expression because if she thought it was quite normal and she might have thought, you know, you're a lot older. Yeah, which I guess is probably an insult back on me, but I, I don't know. <laughs> so it was good. The shocked expression was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what about favorite expressions? Do you have a something you know you think that Spanish captures better than English or it's something you like the sound of in Spanish Mm, that's a really good question um I really like well I mean it's almost the same in English but I really love interesante which Mm, is interesting sound to it yeah I love saying it and there's another word for luggage which is equipaje and I love it Um, maybe I'm not pronouncing it correctly but Equipaje, do you, do you put them together all the time when you're talking about your luggage? Interesting luggage. <laughs> yeah, can you say that together? Uh, el equipaje interesante. <laughs> I no, guess that's how you might say it. Just yeah. listening to that, I actually want to find out what your luggage looks like and stuff. Yeah. Um, I also like um, uh, hermano, which is the name, the word for brother. Oh, uh, brother, um, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I mean, I've got two brothers, so it's sort of it's a fond word. But also, I used to watch a TV show called Arrested Development, and hmm. 
that word, there's like a funny, it's it's too hard to explain in this this podcast, but there's a funny scene where there's confusion about they think they think Hermano is the name of someone and there's all this it's a funny scene where things just get misunderstood because they don't know what the word is. So yeah. Um all right, Hermano. Thanks for sharing those expressions. Well, you call me hermana because I'm female. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> hermana, hermana. <laughs> I've got a website, English Riot, and what I try to promote, I suppose, is using real English or idiomatic language or, or swear words because in my own personal situations, things that really brought my own language learning to life with, with Thai is uh, that sort of language learning to say the rude words or the bad words or learning that, you know, idiomatic idiomatic language because there's often a story within the idiom that is quite entertaining. So what, what have you got for us today with your favourite swear words or idiomatic language? Which path are you going down or are you going well, down? Well, look, there are tonnes of idioms that I really like. I actually mentioned two earlier if you, mm, you were. I did hear a few idioms. Paying attention. So when I'm saying about... Um, you know, how hard it can be to try and pick up a new language. Sometimes mm. you get really angry and frustrated and you want to throw in the towel. Yeah. Throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. So. What kind of towel do you think it would be? Like a sweaty, smelly towel or. It would be. Um, it would be. It would be a know, freshly you- cleaned one. No, no, it would be you've been on that treadmill, you've been sweating mm. it out, trying to get somewhere, and then you, you everything hurts and it's all too hard and you just rubbed all the sweat off and you're throwing a sweaty towel on the ground um, mm. because, you know, you've, you've worked. There's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears in your, um, in your quest to try and conquer another language. Um, so should I just explain what it means then or...? Yeah, thrown in the towel. So, I mean, uh, have you experienced that in your in your Spanish speaking journey or Spanish learning journey? I have, yes, I have. But I never what really want to. What moment do you think you threw that? Or you were about to throw that towel down. Um. Oof. I think I think it People was just when when you tried to say good morning when you should have been saying good afternoon. <laughs> um. No. 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 I. I think it was. Um. I don't know. I think it's just uh, when life gets really busy Mm. and I'm trying to pick it up, I'm trying to pick up the language and I just don't have enough, I feel like I don't have enough time to do it. And then I'm around colleagues and they're just like, you know, they speak multiple languages and they're having conversations and Mm. I I get so frustrated because I'm like, I'm never, I'm never, yeah. And I think, oh, I'm never going to be as good as them. And so I just go, oh, why even bother trying? And then I stop and I throw in the towel. I quit. Yeah. Um, I think I had a towel throwing experience this month. I was just sort of, you know, trying to work, get things out, and everything seemed to be going wrong from baby vomit on my shoulder to uh, new teachers not arriving and then getting horribly ill. So, I mean, I had that towel in my run? hand, covered in vomit, covered in snot, and I was ready. Did you, ju- did you, <laughs> did you jump up and down a bit? Did you scream? Oh, uh, well, I jumped out. It's more, I'm sort of more like hang my head, sort of not as expressive in that sense. Like, so you know, you the didn't... weight of the world on your shoulders. Yeah. I had yes. it about to slip out of my hand rather than smashing it into the ground because it was slick with all those bodily fluids, I suppose. Uh, 
right here, right now, I have made a decision to yes. pull my finger out oh, and no. get on with trying to pick up Spanish again. What are you? What are you actually pulling your finger out of? Um. Well, this one, this one, I guess is it's a bit naughtier actually. I mean, it's not really a swear word, but it's basically, you know, when you're not when you're just. It's it's like it's basically like you're sitting on your hand and you're not doing anything, like you're not working or doing anything. So mm. you've got to just like get in there and get the work done instead of procrastinating or making excuses um, not to do something. Um, just to get on with it, basically. But it, it, it like the whole expression means to f- pull your finger out of your butt. That oh, is the actual right. official expression. Yeah. So. Let's not take that literally. That's the point of an idiom. But um, you'll probably visualize that if you're doing that, uh, yeah, you're not getting a lot done, and you're not gonna you're not gonna get any further because you're just wasting your time. So, yeah, yeah. Be, I think quite an interesting s- sound. I think. I mean, I think when people pull their finger out, it's <laughs> like a bell that goes across, you know, the office or, or the school, and people are aware. Oh, there's. There's the pulling your finger out sound, which is notifying that someone's finally starting their work. I don't know what that sound would be like. I'll have to look it up on sound effects for me. Yeah, no, I can't do it. I think it Maybe should just you, be you some sort go. of like I think it just I think it should be, be some sort of triumphant, I don't know, chime. Like if you think of um Okay, the final segment for today is called In the Red Room. And this is inspired by a program I used to enjoy watching called Twin Peaks. Do you know much about Twin Peaks, Amy? Uh, I never watched it. I knew of the show. It was like really big in the 90s and there was a character that went missing and stuff. But that's Mm. kind of all I know about it. So you'll have to tell me more. Okay, so one of the characters in it was a small red dwarf and he would always appear in people's dreams in a red room saying something backwards. So I thought inspired from this we might have a have a challenge for our listeners where you will say something, maybe a swear word or slang expression connected to what we were talking about today and we will speed it up or slow it down or put it backwards and our listeners will then need to try and decode or say what that expression is. And they cool. then leave an audio comment and the first one to get it will get a prize. It's a secret prize. I won't reveal it yet, but you will get something Ooh. if you are the first one to decode it. So, exciting. Amy. Yes. Yes, very exciting. Could you <laughs> give us your expression, please? All right, here it comes. Quit screwing around. Okay, so have, listen to it a few times and remember leave up your response, your audio response. All right, I'd just like to thank you today, Amy, for coming in and sharing your ideas about language learning and I hope you do pull the finger out and really get into your Spanish uh, study again. I'm sure I will. Thank you very much for having me today. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our second episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave an audio comment at Anchor. We respond to everyone. Also, head over to www.englishriot.com for bonus material, including how to use some of the English expressions from this podcast. Finally, sign up for English Riot's e-newsletter, The Sledgehammer, to get access to the free course, English Rage. See you in episode three.